Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler, Florida State beat writer with the Tallahassee Democrat, here with Antoine Staley, covering a, uh, in the middle of, I guess, a, a hectic week in a... Uh, in Florida State sports. I mean, we knew that was going to be the case. Spring football is now underway. ACC basketball tournament's underway. We thought that was starting today for Florida State. They had the double bye. They were supposed to start tonight at uh, 6.30. It was going to be Duke after Duke beat Louisville last night. And we find out this morning, and I mean a crazy morning that wasn't expected to be crazy, that uh, Duke had a positive COVID test last night and it's can't play. So Florida State, instead of a, a double bye, gets now, I guess, a, a, a triple bye in the ACC tournament. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like a year a year ago, they were accepting the ACC trophy, and after the tournament had been canceled, and now their first game uh, in the ter- first game in Greensboro back, and you know they'll have to wait a day to play either North Carolina or Virginia Tech because of this situation too. But yeah, I mean that's just that sums up the year. That's pretty much how it boiled down to whether you talk about. Uh, basketball with the COVID pauses Florida State has had, or you know, you related to football and uh, all the pos- I mean, the positive tests that they had, and uh, some of the postponements and later cancellations that they've had as well. And uh, women- it's also affected the women's basketball program too, as well, with uh, having to rearrange either can- uh, reschedule or postpone or cancel 15 games. So, yeah, I mean, that's just that's just how the last year's been. Uh, not just for Florida State, but everybody and. Uh, I know Coach K was uh, – he, he had his doubts about playing this year in particular. And, you know, now their season is over for Duke. Uh, just I'm sure not the way that they wanted to. Uh, they felt like they had an opportunity to maybe go on a run and maybe get to semifinals or maybe the finals. But, you know, it's unfortunate. But that's just how things have gone the last year or so. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, a blessing for FSU that the, Duke, the test was Duke – not Florida State, because we're in the range now where if there were a positive test and there were contact tracing that were going to cause a a problem for FSU, it's entirely possible they would not be able to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, it, it, you don't want to see it happen to any team, and yes, there was still a world. I mean, if Duke had beaten Florida State, that may have been enough on its own, honestly, because I know, I think as of last night, Duke was in the last four out in Lenardi's bracket, but it may have taken a win over UNC or Virginia Tech uh, tomorrow as well. But either way, I mean... It, it, you don't want to see this happen to anybody, but I would say it's definitely better happening to a team that wasn't a surefire NCAA tournament team. As to where, I mean, if if it happened to any number of teams right now that have had the years they've had and put themselves in consideration or, or like, like a Florida State where it's a sure thing that they're going to be in the tournament, to miss out on that now, I mean, it would probably be even tougher than, than last year where there wasn't a tournament of the sensation of having a tournament and having done enough to be there and not being able to because of something really out of your control. Yeah, I think... Last year, we were still trying to find out about the virus. I think it was just so new to everybody that, uh, I mean, you just kind of, everything was just shutting down, whether you uh, talk about sports or really just life in general. This year, um, it's definitely a different situation where we have a better understanding of what can you do. Uh, all is only, obviously, it's only so much you can control, but 
obviously I feel like we have a better understanding of trying to take those precautions of trying uh, just staying safe and um, not putting yourself in certain situations there too as well. So yeah, it definitely um, it's definitely a much different uh, tone than what it was last year, and uh, it definitely would have been harder if had it happened to FSU um, just go around as opposed to last year. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it bears mentioning. I mean, obviously that's the, the latest news, but plenty's happened for Florida State basketball in the last week. I mean, you talk about uh, the last time we talked here a week ago, they had just beaten Boston College. They were ready for a Notre Dame game that I think we both liked their odds in. And, I mean, it was a, a pretty head-scratching performance. I mean, you, you wonder if the moment got to Florida State a little bit. You wonder if they felt pressure you wonder if they were kind of forcing it. You wonder what went into that because it did not look like Florida State. And, I mean, Notre Dame is hasn't looked like that much this year and had lost, what, 27 straight games to ranked teams. And Notre Dame, pretty much from the opening whistle, dominated Florida State. And, I mean, Florida State made it somewhat competitive in the second half, but I don't think they ever got closer than four points. And so it was a, uh, a pretty remarkably – underwhelming performance especially given what was at stake with the ACC championship yeah it's very lackluster uh they just got out to I know today just got off to such a hard start um on the three-point line and I think FSU has really had some issues guarding the three-point shot at times this year um on certain occasions and it really uh bit them in the backside there you know today was able to Used their three-point shooting, and um, and that was one of FSU's Achilles' heels, and just kept er gunning early and hitting those shots, and uh, they got up by so much, um, but by 20 at one point that you know FSU, yeah, they fought, they clawed their way back, but you know you use so much energy to try to get back into a game, especially when you're on the road, you don't have that same type of energy that that you would um, at a home game that. Yeah, you just kind of exert yourself, and like I said, you don't have that same uh, mojo there, too. And we know they play much better at home in the Tucker Center than they do on the road, especially a place in Notre Dame where they hadn't had a lot of success there, too, as well. So, yeah, I, I had a feeling Notre Dame was going to play well, probably one of the better games of the season, especially with it being senior day and uh, FSU having the opportunity to clinch the ACC uh, regular season. Uh, with a win, but I definitely didn't see that coming, especially the manner that Notre Dame was able to control the game, especially in the first half. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's a bit worrisome in that it was more of the same for FSU. It was a defensive problems. Defensively, they've had their moments this year. They've also had moments of inconsistency. I mean, it was turnovers were a problem again, like they were in the second half, especially against North Carolina in the loss the week before. Uh it's tough because, I mean, it, it's. It, I saw many people kind of say something to this effect, and it, it bears very true in this case. It is weird for Florida State basketball fans or Florida State fans in general to be disappointed about not winning a second straight ACC regular season championship. You know, I mean, that's a that's the thing where if I told you five five years ago, you would have said, wait, they, they won a regular season championship just because it didn't seem plausible. So... It's obviously disappointing missing out on the chance to get the second in a row because, I mean, this, that, I, that, that's something that just doesn't happen much. I think Leonard would have been the fifth ACC coach ever to do that. But I also don't wonder if a loss like that is will, will help this team now come the postseason. I think team, the FSU teams under Leonard have responded pretty well to losses. And, I mean, I, I just I, – I wonder if not just – 
the loss and how it happened, but now how long they've had to work on it and, and sit on it will help them now at the ACC tournament and beyond next week. Yeah, I think um, you usually see some of the teams. Well, I've, I've seen ACC teams there. Uh, they'll win the regular season and, you know, they'll lose maybe early in the tournament at the semifinals or the quarterfinals, but, you know, they recover for tournament time in the NCAA. And I think, you know, they need that kind of loss to kind of wake them up because, uh, you know, FSU was kind of – they were rolling for the most part. I know um, the loss to North Carolina was – Kind of alarming too, as well. But yeah, they were they were rolling in that game too for a little bit until um, the second half happened, and Carolina got got a little bit of a spark and run. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you just need those wake up calls, especially when when you need, especially. Um, hello. Yeah, I think um, just kind of uh, – I think you need those wake-up calls. Uh, well, like Florida State potentially had against Notre Dame to be able to uh, advance and, you know, get to where you want to go in March too, especially in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, it's better that it happen now uh, before the ACC tournament, before the NCAA tournament, so you can regain that focus and composure so you can get ready for those games too as well. Because, yeah, I, I mean, once you're into that tournament setting, uh, it's one and done and – uh, you kind of have to take that same approach too, as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I know it's disappointing for FSU not to win, you know, another regular season ACC championship. But you still do have an opportunity to win a ACC tournament championship, which I think is just as special uh, as the regular season title is. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I, I've seen that even with I guess kind of the momentum or however much you believe in that word. I know I asked Leonard Hamilton, and he kind of said he thinks that's something the. Uh, media creates and I, i'm not saying i'm entirely wrong like he's entirely wrong I, I think it is sometimes an overblown concept but even with that counting against it it felt like florida state was a pretty trendy pick to uh to win it all i mean obviously things change on a game-by-game basis but we saw when florida state and virginia played in tallahassee one team pretty thoroughly dominate the other i mean it was a a remarkable win win definitely fsu is like the best fsu has looked this season, and so I, I could Virginia beat FSU if both of them made the uh, made the championship game. Sure, I mean I think it also bears mentioning with the Duke news, FSU's only gonna have to play two games to get there. They they yeah. will play. I mean, where they won't find out until what like ten thirty eleven tonight who they're playing tomorrow. It'll be either North Carolina for the third time or Virginia Tech for the first time. But they'll be favored in either one of those games. They probably it, it's a tough question of who they'd rather face. I would say probably Virginia Tech because they've only played a couple times in the last month. They've been in a pretty extended – or a couple COVID pauses, I believe, and have been going through that. So you'd probably prefer that even though they're the higher seed. But Florida State would be favored in either of those games. Yeah, I think so too. Um, they played North Carolina and ended up splitting with both uh, – well, put in both games. Both of them were really close games. Uh, obviously, the Tar Heels ended up winning the second one in Chapel Hill. They're supposed to have a game, games against Virginia Tech, but then uh, it didn't happen uh, due to COVID. So, uh, but you know, these teams know each other. I think uh, Larry Hamilton talked about that on the press conference today. That you know, all, everybody kind of knows what everybody likes to do. So, I don't think it'll be any kind of surprises there uh, from either team. So, yeah, I think they'll be fine either way. Uh, it's setting up potentially uh, if you know they end up taking care of business against in the semifinals that Virginia seems like the team they might end up facing in the finals, which I'm sure the Cavaliers would love to have another round with uh, Florida State considering how the first matchup went. I also wouldn't be, be shocked. I mean, we'll see. Weirder things have happened, I guess. I'll be interested to see what happens today. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia Tech there. 
I think that, <clears throat> yeah. Georgia Tech playing my <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Georgia Tech's playing Miami now in the quarterfinals, starting here momentarily. And I mean that team, I know played Virginia twice and was right with them in both games and lost both kind of in the closing minutes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a third game against Georgia Tech waiting in the finals, and that's an interesting matchup for FSU. I mean, the question for FSU, the big question I would say, I mean, it was before your time on the beat, but the team two years ago with David Nichols, the, the Albany transfer, Phil Kofer's senior season, I think Leonard had really high hopes for that team and what they could accomplish, and then they went through kind of injury stuff. David Nichols was injured. Phil Kofer lost his dad and wasn't playing early in the tournament, and they, they fell in the Sweet 16 to uh, to Gonzaga. I think at full strength, Leonard liked his team's chances in that game a lot more. So the, the health of this team is definitely a question right now. I mean, you wonder what percent Malik Osborne is at. You wonder what percent MJ Walker is was at. MJ was a big-time liability in the Notre Dame game. He didn't look... 100% after he looked pretty good earlier in the week against Boston College. I think that's going to determine a lot about what this team's able to do this week and over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think, I mean, it, like we said before, it's all, it's all about matchups. It's all That's what it's all about when you get in the tournament setting and uh, where you're seated and who else is around you in your bracket. So, yeah, I definitely think they have an um, opportunity to, I mean, it would it surprise me if they had to go Sweet 16, uh, Elite 8? No, it definitely wouldn't surprise me, especially with the way this team has played at times, too, as well. Would it surprise me if this team were to uh, lose in the round of 32? Probably not either, depending on uh, who they were over to face. And, and we've seen the inconsistency of this team at times as well, whether you talk about early on in the season against UCF or Clemson or uh, then you talk about games like, like a Notre Dame or Georgia Tech too, which, you know, the Georgia Tech game doesn't look as bad now as it did at the time because Yellow Jackets are finished fourth in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen the inconsistencies of this team up and down, um, losing games that we expect them to win. Um, so I'm curious to see how, they, how they're how they going to play really the rest of the season because I know it's a big thing for people – uh, talking heads have talked about how Florida State has played, how well they played at home, and uh, the road record away from the Tucker Center too. So you know, all their games are away from there now. So we'll see how well they're able to play the rest of the way. Yeah, the difference with that, and it is a fair point. It bears mentioning because I mean, Florida State is the best in terms of ACC play. They're the best three-point shooting team in the ACC during conference games. But I think away from home, they've only shot made more than 30% of their threes twice in seven games. I mean, it's it's pretty staggering. But that being said, everyone's going through that now. Everyone, No one is at home now, if you will, you know? So, I mean, it's it, it's not home, and no doubt, I think they shoot better at home, but it's a neutral site, so it's, it's away for everybody. No one kind of has that famili- familiarity with sight lines and that kind of things. Obviously... Whoever Florida State plays tomorrow, be it Virginia Tech playing its second game in as many days or UNC playing its third, will have a little more familiarity in that gym just in terms of a couple games, but they'll also be more tired. So that could work either way, and the same goes for the NCAA tournament. I mean, an advantage looking ahead to the NCAA tournament for Florida State with a quick turnaround is the Seminoles' depth is definitely, I think, will play an advantage. I think, I mean, they look like a team who could in theory, and I'm not saying I'm picking this because I'm not, they look like a team that could lose the first game in the NCAA tournament, and I wouldn't have said that remotely had a real yeah. chance a couple of weeks ago. They're, they looked a little more vulnerable, but they could also right the ship and go on a run. I mean, I think there still could be Final Four caliber. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it depends on where they're seeing. They're, they're seeing that 5-12 game, which 
Uh, I don't think that's the seed you want to be because typically in those games you you face a uh, really tough 12 team that uh, could usually go on the run. Uh, we've seen a ton of upsets in that whole range too as well. So, yeah, I definitely think um, you want to try to avoid that if possible. Uh, I definitely think if, if they end up winning the ACC, I definitely think uh, they would. I think they would find a way to get up to – Maybe a three seed of where they were, uh, at least where Joe Lenardi had them right too as well. Uh, I know he had them as the uh, top five seed at one point too as well. So yeah, um, I think you you don't want the full range, but I mean if you get if you get a four seed, then you know you just kind of have to go and deal with it. And you know if you end up getting the top number one seed in the in the uh, Sweet Sixteen, then you know I definitely think Florida State has the capability of possibly pulling off that upset, depending on who that other top number one team is. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting how losing the Duke game, I mean, it wouldn't have been a huge quality win in terms of, I mean, Duke is not nowhere close to normal Duke standards in terms of how impactful a win that would be, but does not playing at all. I mean, obviously, yes, it, it advances you deeper in the tournament without having to do anything, but does Florida State, with only two games left now, the semifinal and the final, potentially, no more, it could be just one. Does Florida State have a path back to that three seed line or losing the third win this week? Is their ceiling the four? I definitely think there's a world where they might not get higher than the four, even if they win both games this week now, just because of losing that third win while other teams are winning three games. Yeah, I think it just depends on what everybody else does. Uh, how the rest of the uh, how the rest of the teams end up doing? If you get an upset down the line from somebody, then FSU ends up winning the ACC. And I know I get the ACC isn't nearly what it usually what it usually is when it's top heavy and you have North Carolina or a top Duke team and along with Virginia and some other teams as well up there at the top. But, you know, it's still ACC is still one of the premier conferences in America and you still end up winning you finish second in the league in the regular season and you also fin and you happen to win this conference tournament. I think this definitely does say something too. So yeah, I definitely think they still have a path to it. I think it's a little tougher especially after that Notre Dame loss. Had they, had they you know, beat Notre Dame, then, yeah, I definitely think a uh, three seed was likely. But that Notre Dame loss was just really alarming that you kind of take a step back and say, yeah, uh, four seed is, prob is probably going to happen, I would think. Uh, definitely a three seed um, may or may not happen. When yeah, you could definitely see a five seed, especially if uh, they end up losing the semifinals. Four or five, unless they're able to get back to three, obviously means they're going through a, a one at the Sweet 16, and that would be tough because it feels like, I mean, I, it, there are a number of very good teams this year, and I think the case can be made that Illinois looks as strong, or has looked at least in stretches as strong as the other number ones, but it feels like, I mean, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan are really strong ones. So, I mean, it's it's a tough year kind of with that many strong teams. It's a tough year to be on that four or five line to have to go through them. But you're going to have to go through them at some point. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think Florida State at its best could play with those teams. And I don't wonder if that doesn't bring the best out of them. I mean, we'll see. But it's uh, they've done themselves no favor in that regard. Yeah. It could be. A, it definitely could be a tough road ahead, especially uh, considering what bracket they may or may not. They don't have to worry about necessarily traveling anywhere, but obviously, uh, just playing. Uh, I will be curious to see what bracket and the teams that are in it um, in there what they look like, because I think ultimately that can determine uh, how far they potentially could go. But yeah, I think uh, just looking at them and just seeing them all year, like I say, it would. No, I don't think anything, any scenario really uh, would totally surprise me um, come the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It'll be an interesting uh, storyline to follow. I mean, obviously, next time we talk to y'all, we'll be after ACC tournament, and we'll probably not by then know. I imagine we'll do it before Sunday, where we'll know what seed line FSU is on, who their path kind of what their path looks like. So we'll definitely uh, touch on that next week. I guess we can uh, we can look at some spring football while we're here. Obviously, I think Antoine and I both will have a lot more insightful things to say the next time we talk because uh, Florida State. Thankfully, we're, we're very grateful, it bears mentioning, to the people who made it happen, but is letting uh, media in to watch a couple practice. Not everyone, but I, I know today, Thursday's practice and Friday's are two that media will be allowed into. And I mean, that's uh, it's, it's wonderful to get to see that for our own eyes and not have to go off of what we're hearing from sources or from coaches. So I guess, I mean, early impressions from talking to uh, – Mike Norvell last week, we talked to him last Friday, Josh Storms, and then a couple players and Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell uh, Tuesday after the first day of practice. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, Jay Sean Corbin is uh, one of the big stars of the offseason program. Coach, many coaches uh, have talked about how well he's uh, performed this year and uh, just been the, just been bowling out, I guess, uh, just according to them, really putting in the work and also being a leader. Uh, on and off the field so they've really uh that's really the biggest takeaway i've uh, gotten from there obviously uh mckenzie milton uh, ended up practicing with the team he's fully cleared now so i think that's a that's a good benefit there as well uh the team has not named a starting quarterback which i don't expect them to uh not until really the fall they don't have to anyway so uh but just the fact that he's out there doing some of the things that some of his other teammates are doing and also having a big uh impact on not only just the players of the team, but also the other quarterbacks in the room, uh, which I think is really an experienced room where you have guys that have started uh, throughout the course of their college career at one point or another. I definitely think it's huge. And um, even that one year that he's going to be at FSU, I think can um, be a big benefit to all the, not only the quarterbacks that are that are there after he leaves, but also the players too as well. So that's those are the takeaways that I would have at least early on initially. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've talked a lot. I mean, we, it bears mentioning the, uh, the squat party that Florida State had last week. And, I mean, it, it, it felt like a, a culmination of the culture change that Mike Norvell and his staff have been trying to bring around of all the players crowded in the weight room, going crazy for each other as they're kind of finishing out the winter conditioning program with these lifts. I mean, it was a pretty crazy scene. eyes uh that were kind of videos were being shared on social media and i mean you look at someone like a jordan travis who talked to us tuesday he talked about i mean he's like this is a different feeling than my first three three years of college one of those being at a uh, louisville and the last two at florida state and he just he, he used the word i guess family he talked about how it's changing he i mean i think a, a full spring is going to do them wonders. Obviously, we talked to Freddie Stevenson about that last week, but I mean, you're they're they're I think really reaping the rewards of that just in terms of buying in, and I think you're you're seeing the dividends paid. I mean, I know there are probably Florida State fans out there saying, "I've heard this before. I bought in last year. I got burnt. It's going to take more than that," and I understand that, but I don't. I just it, I don't know. It uh. It, yeah, I'm just gonna say it seems like a little bit more family order oriented. Uh, seems like a little bit more energetic and togetherness than what it was at least last year. I, I guess I can't speak for you, but I, that's just from my observation. I definitely think that's my takeaway too as well. It seems it just 
um, it kind of seems a little bit different. Now, I know um, the spring is um, Hope Springs Eternal and everybody um, is coming in the best shape and doing what they're supposed to be doing. But, yeah, it definitely um, is some reasons to be optimistic about this team, at least um, heading forward. Yeah, I, I think, too, I mean, the, the returns on, on some of the freshmen – have been very strong. I mean, I think you're looking at getting two receivers, two fr- two incoming freshman receivers on campus this semester as early enrollees. Josh Burrell and Malik McLean are both big. I mean, I think Burrell was a guy who I wasn't sure was going to be a early playing time candidate, even as an early enrollee. But from what we've seen and heard so far, that might kind of be changing. I mean, I've heard about his hands. There was a really impressive picture of a, a pretty acrobatic catch he made from the first practice. And he also was a guy who I think – a tiny, a smaller guy, but it probably projects as a slot long term. But was uh, he was a guy who during the squat party I think was put to five hundred forty five pounds, at weighing less than two hundred himself, or maybe maybe right at two hundred. But I, I mean, he's a guy, and McLean I think is a guy I was higher on coming in. And the the phrase Mike Norvaldig used was they don't look like freshmen. Yeah, I, and I, I like I said, I think, definitely think. Um... It's big to get those guys in there now, especially you look at the wide receiver position too, uh, especially all the struggles that they've had last year, uh, really separating from uh, defensive bats and defenders too as well. And lose Terry to um, opt out when he did as well. I definitely think getting those guys in now, getting the chemistry down with Milton and some of the other guys, I definitely think it's going to be beneficial to not only them, but also the rest of the team too as well. Yeah, definitely the receivers were – one of the most disappointing units, I would say, um, last year, too. So to get those guys in there and also add on to the other guys that are already there, I definitely think it's going to be um, a big added addition to this team. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to follow. I mean, it, we, we've talked about it, too. It just, I, I just don't think you can overstate how much they missed the spring. I don't think we realized in the moment. I think we knew it was important, but I think it became clear last fall how much they missed that, and I think that's going to – do wonders for them this year. And I mean, another thing we, the transfers that are already on campus, I think are making a big difference already. They're guys who I think we figured they would be guys that players, younger players are looking to. And I think we're, that's proving to, to be the case. I mean, it's a guy like a Jermaine Johnson, a guy like a Jamie Robinson. I'm really fascinated to see just how, how a lot of that plays out. And I mean, obviously yeah, we'll have a, more to share when we when we have observed a couple practices for ourselves next week, which will be great to to be able to provide that insight. Yeah, um, I definitely think getting a guy like Jermaine Johnson, uh, especially when you had troubles uh, getting, you had trouble getting to the quarterback last year. It's huge. Somebody that's established has some playing time too as well. Uh, played at a big time program in Georgia, so I think that's huge there. Like you said, Kier Thomas from South Carolina. Jamie Robinson also from South Carolina and getting a guy like a Brandon Bam Moore too as well from UCF along with Mackenzie Milton. Both of those guys no need to talk about the pro the success they've had there. Uh, and definitely um, just having those guys there. I know uh, Mike Norvell has talked about he's not going to totally do use this exclusive uh, franchise. I mean, well, um, transfer portal like kind of how he did, he did this year, but I think it's vital to a year like this, especially with with the young team that he has uh, returning, having a lot of veterans who's had success, who's had played played in big moments and big games too as well, and won big games. I definitely think it'll be beneficial to some of these other guys who are still trying to find themselves and find their place within the program. 
No doubt. It's uh, it, it agreed, agreed on all fronts. We'll, uh, we can touch on some baseball here at the end before we're, guys, we're kind of wrapping up. I mean, the, we talked last week about Florida State needing a big weekend kind of coming off of being swept by Pitt. And, I mean, they didn't sweep the series. And I would say I'm sure they're disappointed they didn't sweep the series with how Sunday's game played out. But a really nice response from FSU winning the first two nearly sweeping probably should have swept Virginia and especially I mean the the pitching over the weekend was pretty remarkable yeah it really was um like yeah they just uh, even Sunday I thought the pitching was really um were great too as well it's the fact the matter is they just couldn't get runners in and I think that's been the key to Florida State really this year they they struggled um getting runners in on like to the scoring and also they struggled with strikeouts uh the third most in the ACC right now and their batting average is 214 which is the lowest in the conference too as well so yeah, no matter how well your pitching is doing, which I think is starting to turn around, we we asked. I remember we asked me, uh, Mike Martin Jr. about that, and he he was more concerned about the hitting than he was the pitching. And for for a while, he's definitely right on that because the pitching seems like it's definitely coming around on all fronts. Whether you're talking about the bullpen or also the starters, but yeah, the hitting is definitely alarming when you're continuing to strike out uh, double digits throughout the course of the game, and you're leaving a lot of runners on base and. Uh, that's definitely um, not the recipe for success, especially when uh, you end up having so many home games to start out the season and you're still under 500, and now you're going on the road for a bulk of the, the rest of the games um, coming up. Yeah, the, the strikeouts are, I guess, a, a bit alarming, I think is, is a good way to put it, but the situational hitting has also been a struggle. I mean, Florida State, you you, you were there Sunday. I mean, how many guys did they leave on base in that game? 11. I know they, they loaded the bases in the eighth. Yeah. They had 11 men on base uh, throughout the course of the game. 11. And lost by one run. They lost 2-1. I mean, and, and ruined – not ruined, but couldn't take advantage of a, a pretty remarkable start from Connor Grady. But, yeah, th- it's a problem. And, and it's it's going to get harder going forward. Like you said, I mean, on the road, I know Mike Martin Jr. talked about the uh, atmosphere they're headed into this weekend. And, I mean, Virginia Tech's definitely better than you thought. And then the week after that, next weekend – they're at Miami, and Miami is the top five team in a lot of polls right now. I mean, that's going to be a uh, a real challenge. So you, you need the pitching to keep up because I think the this team has always thought the pitching was going to carry it, but the offense has to give you more than it than it has been. Less strikeouts, more just putting the ball in play, more productive outs is a big thing. I mean, Parker Messick was remarkable. Bryce Hubbard did really well in his Saturday start. The two had, I think – 15 innings combined and didn't allow a run against Virginia in starts. But, yeah, I mean, the hitting's got to give them more. Yeah, and also, it's championship between there. You got a game against Florida. So, yeah, this is a critical time for them uh, this week. And I know we talked about that last week where I figured they needed to win two out of the four games. They're coming up with – I know they were supposed to play uh, USF and that game ended up getting postponed. But, yeah, you you need to – be able to get some serious you need to be able to turn out some serious wins uh whether it be against virginia tech whether it be against miami uh get a win possibly potentially against florida but yeah you got some really tough games there you don't want to get in a situation where yeah you're multiple games under 500 and you're deep into the season so you want to definitely start to turn this thing around now and really in a hurry yeah i mean this was a good starting point because they would have really if they if they lost this series or been swept again 
that would have really put them behind the eight ball. I mean, it's tough when you had the chance to get it right, kind of erase it and be right back at three and three. Two and four is not, obviously not as good as that, but it still was a major step in the right direction. I think there's a case can be made. It seems like you got Virginia at the right time because Virginia – is kind of mirroring FSU in a lot of ways where their starting pitchers been part starting pitching has been stellar and their offense has really been even worse than FSU's. It's pretty uh, tough to, to see tough to think about, but it's, I mean, it's true. They, they've really struggled offensively. I mean, so yeah, this, I mean, it was tough losing the midweeker again, because that's a confidence builder for a guy like Carson Montgomery, who didn't get to start again, I think would have started, each of the last two Sunday Tuesday games that were canceled and it's tough in that regard. And yeah, it gets, it gets a lot tougher in a hurry here. Virginia, Virginia Tech's no cakewalk, but four games next week against Florida and Miami is a uh, woof. Yeah. Welcome to a uh, top level college basketball for sure. Yeah. Well, baseball. I know, I know what you mean. That's we're, what I meant. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, we're, we're, we're basketball heavy right now. So yeah, yes. you're all forgiven, <laughs> but yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like, yeah, you got to – that's why I say it's, it's important. They need to – I think to getting two out of three here um, against Virginia Tech is really vital. I know it's not going to be easy, but out of the three – out of the that's three opponents that you play, um, they're, they're – I mean, they're not as good as Florida and Miami, at least not on paper. So you need to try to find a way to try to get two out of three there because next week, yeah, it's not promised, especially you got the one game – you got the game series against Florida and then you're going to uh, Coral Games to play Miami too as well so yeah try to get some kind of momentum especially hitting wise too as well um maybe going on the road might do them some good a little bit maybe they can try to find themselves as well uh and then maybe come back and then uh, the hitting starts to pick up for them a little bit later but yeah this this is definitely um a vital two weeks for them um especially on the hitting side of the the the, the, the plate as well yeah it's uh it, it's worth keeping an eye on we'll have uh plenty of coverage of that maybe not as much this weekend when they're on the road, but I mean, baseball is about to kind of become the the focus when spring football's over, when basketball's over, and in, in a month or less. So we'll we'll have plenty of coverage of them as the season goes on. Maybe not as much on the website now, but we will have. I mean, plenty of great stuff on the website on Tallahassee.com, Nolsports.com, all of those. And we appreciate you for reading. We appreciate you for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to uh, to Tallahassee Democrat. We uh, greatly appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, where a lot of our best content is. Please uh, follow us on Twitter. Antoine, you're at Antoine Staley. I'm at Kurt C U R T M Weiler. Um, we we appreciate you for listening. Please join us next time. Thanks. All right, thank you. Hey, we're.